Amen. We'll take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking at the end of that chapter, verses 32 through 39. If you're new to Prince, we have been walking through the book of Hebrews since sometime in February, and we're just continuing uh, to walk through and see what God is doing and trust the leadership of the Spirit. Um, we've seen some incredible moments the last few weeks. It's really been amazing. And uh, I know everyone I'm talking to as I go around the room is just excited about what God is doing. So we have seen uh, 61 baptized in the last two weeks, not including this morning. Uh, we had seven in the uh, first service and have, I don't know, uh, a number more uh, at the end of our service today. And it's just interesting because as I'm t I've talked to a lot of pastors just the last couple of weeks, I'm realizing something. I think it's important for us to know this, that this is not just us. We are a very small part of a bigger thing that God is doing. And God is stirring in a lot of places right now. I I I've talked to a couple of pastors this week that are experiencing similar things. And so God's working and God's moving. And it's just, it's exciting for us to know that we're a part of something that God is doing. And so I'm really, really thankful for that and just encouraged. Uh, it's exciting to be a part of what God's doing. And just think about even our student ministry and we're gonna hear, you don't wanna miss next week. We're gonna hear a lot of stories about what God is doing in our student ministry, but uh, 37 students so far uh, baptized. And we have a um, Hispanic service. I don't know if you know this, but at the 1045 right now in the tabernacle, we have a growing uh, Hispanic service, which is really doing well. They baptized four people this morning that had just gotten saved. One of them, a Jehovah's Witness, that was just converted. And so uh, this is exciting. God, God is moving. I would say as I'm, as I'm just taking the time, hopefully to kind of process what God is doing and think through some of these things, I just don't want to miss anything that God has for us. And um, I would say maybe the most encouraging thing to me right now has been just the reminder that the spirit of God and the word of God is enough to accomplish the work of God. Like we got to get this deep into our soul. We don't need gimmicks. We don't need tricks. We need the word of God and the spirit of God. Now, if you don't have the word of God and the spirit of God, you got to have gimmicks, but we don't need gimmicks. All we need is the word of God faithfully preached, the spirit of God moving, and that's sufficient to accomplish anything that God wants to do. That is the means by which he works. And as long as we trust him to work in that way in our lives and in our church, then we continue to see the work that God is doing. And we've really seen this. I mean, I mean, just thinking about the way in which God has used his word. Like I said, we started in Hebrews in February and, and just every single moment, and he's gonna do it again this morning, it is the word that is leading us. Like we're just following what he's doing. And then, and you'll hear some next week, but I wish I had time to tell you about the way in which the spirit of God is moving way before we started baptizing people a couple of weeks ago. God was already doing a lot. Because God is always ahead of us, right? God is always moving before us. And God has been stirring and moving in people's hearts. A girl came to get baptized in the first service. And I said, did you, right before we went to get baptized, I said, did you plan on coming this morning to get baptized? She goes, well, I, I've been planning for the last couple of weeks. I've just been resisting. And finally, the Lord just said, you've got to do this. And so the spirit of God is moving. And so this is what we do. We, we trust the word of God and we trust the spirit of God to accomplish uh, the work of God. And it's going to happen again this morning, I'm confident. This morning, some of you may have shown up for all kinds of different reasons, but what's going to happen today is the Spirit of God is just going to wreck you in a really positive way. And he's going to take all of your plans and your ambitions, and he's going to lay them aside, and he's going to say, I have some better ones. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but I just want you to trust me. Some of you are going to give your life to Jesus today. You're going to finally come to the place where you surrender and say, I can't fix my broken life, but Jesus can, and so I'm going to give my life to Jesus. 
Some of you today are going to say, not only that, but I'm ready to go public. I'm going to, I'm going to follow that invitation. I'm going to get baptized this morning to say I'm, I'm making that first step of faith as a believer. So God is still working. He's going to do it again today. I know he is. Did in the first service. He's going to do it again today. We, we trust that he's going to do that. But even though God is still working and moving, even right now, we've been in this moment long enough for people to start asking the question, what now? So a bunch of people are getting saved. Well, what now? What's next? What are we, we going to do with these people that have, that have gotten saved? What, what's next? And what's interesting is, is I, I, I'm convinced this morning there's some of you who may have given your life to Jesus a long time ago, and you're still asking the question, what's next? Like, the church does a decent job of telling you how to be saved. They just don't often tell you how to continue to walk with Jesus. And so I think it's the question that needs to be addressed. As followers of Jesus, what does it look like to walk with Jesus every day? If you just got saved, what now? What next? If you've been saved for 20, 30 years, what's next? How do you continue to live out the reality of the decision you made to follow Jesus? And by God's grace, that's exactly the point of the text today. Our text today is really answering the question, how do I begin and how do I continue a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you're there in Hebrews 10, say amen. Listen as we start in verse 32. It says, but recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, verse 35, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Last week, we looked at verses 32 through 34, and we asked this question, is it worth it? Is it worth following Jesus? Because it's gonna cost you something. At the very least, it's gonna cost the full surrender of all of your life and everything you have to Jesus. Is it worth it? And the answer we gave was a resounding yes. And the reason is, is because you're not really sacrificing anything to know Christ. You're just exchanging what you have for something much better. And so that's what these believers did. They had to make a decision. Is it worth giving my life to Jesus? Is it worth being baptized in front of everyone else? Is it worth the suffering? Is it worth the losing of my property? Is it worth it? And they believed it was because it says they knew they had a better possession and a lasting one. Everything they gave up was temporary. Everything they got was eternal. Everything they gave up was less than what they got in return. So the reality is part of becoming a Christian is actually believing that what Jesus has is better than what you have. It's believing that Jesus can do a better job with your life than you can. It's believing that no matter what you lose for the sake of Christ, what you get with Christ is always better. That, that's the decision you make as a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, I'm going to step into this relationship because I believe Jesus is better. We saw that last week. But if you look at these verses as a whole, 32 all the way through 39, 
what you realize is he really is answering this question of how do I begin and how do I continue in the Christian life? So I want to look at both of those things this morning. The first is this. How do I begin the Christian life? That's the point. Write that down. How do I begin the Christian life? It answers that in verses 32 through 34. He says, but recall the former days. So he's asking them to look back. He said, stop for a minute, everybody, and just, just think back. What do you think back on? Well, think back on that time in which you were enlightened. Now, the word enlightened means to be saved. He could have used a lot of words here. He could have said, recall the former days when you got saved, or recall the former days when you got born again, or recall the former days when you were justified, or recall the former days when you surrendered to Jesus. All kinds of words he could have used. But he used this one, recall the former days when you were enlightened. We talked about it last week, but I remind you of 2 Corinthians 4, 6, that says this. For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is this, that there was a time in which everything was darkness. And the only reason there was light is because God said, let there be light. He's also saying that every single person is born with a dark heart, with no love for God, no desire for God. We're born spiritually doomed and disobedient. Romans 3, Ephesians 2 tells us this. There is no spiritual light or spiritual life inside of your heart. But what happens is at some point by the grace of God, God begins to turn the light on. And the reason this is encouraging is because if you have any desire for God, or even, listen, as the word of God is being preached, you're starting to feel for the first time, I want God. You, you're surprised yourself that you have a little desire for God, a little longing for God. Listen, that's not your flesh. That's not the devil. That's God turning on the lights. And what an amazing thing to know that what's stirring up in your heart is God at work. It is God who knows you personally, who brought you to this moment by his sovereign will, and then is beginning to stir up in your heart a desire for him. You can't ignore that because that's God. So the reason we plead for you to respond to what God is doing in your heart is because it actually is God at work. This is why when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, Jesus says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, you must have a fleshly birth and a spiritual birth. And in the same way, you didn't have a ton to do with your fleshly birth. You didn't have a ton to do with your spiritual birth. God was working there before you even thought about him. God is working and God is moving. So he says, remember that time in which the light came on? Remember that time in which you were a pagan and you heard the gospel and all of a sudden you began to believe? And he said, remember what happened right after that time? He said, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Remember what it said? They, they were exposed to reproach and affliction. They became partners with those so treated. They had compassion on those in prison. And listen to this. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Meaning when they came to Christ, they had to make a decision. Am I willing to literally lose all for Christ? Am I willing to die for Christ? They said, yes. You say, why? Because they knew something. What did they know? They knew that God had made a promise. And God made the promise that no matter what you lose, what you get is better. And they believed that promise. 
A lot of people may have heard that promise that day, the first time the gospel was preached to them, and not everybody might have believed it, but these people believed it. They heard it, and they believed it. And so what he's saying to them is this. I want you to look back and remember what happened when you got saved. And, and let, me, let me summarize what happened when they got saved. It's the same thing that happened when you got saved. Here it is. The Spirit of God worked in your heart, period, first. That's what happened. God worked. The second thing that happened is you heard the word. The next thing that happened is you believed the word, and then you chose to follow Jesus. That's it. Listen, I, I was standing on the sidelines of the football game on Friday night, and talking to a guy I've known for a long time, but I'd never actually asked him how he got saved. And he told me how he got saved. It was an unbelievable story. Really incredible. Uh, just all the things that God orchestrated. And the truth is, if you're a believer, you've got a story. And all of our stories are different. There's a thousand things that go into our story. But in reality, your story really goes something like this. The spirit of God worked, you heard the gospel, you believed it, and you followed Jesus. Like that's all of our story if we know Jesus. And so what he says is this. He says, listen, I want you to look back and I want you to remember the way in which you got saved because it's important. It's important for you to remember that because it helps us to understand how we continue in the Christian life. The spirit of God, the word of God, and then trusting it and following it. So he says, that's the way in which you began the Christian life. But next he says, well, how do you continue the Christian life? Well, that's the point of verses 35 through 39. How do you continue the Christian life? Write this down. How do you continue the Christian life? Well, he starts there in verse 35 by saying this. Well, therefore, in other words, since you had that moment in which the spirit of God worked and you had that moment in which God began to turn on the light in which you had that moment in which you heard and you believed and you walked in it, and because you believed it and you suffered for it and you walked in it and you grew in strength and you grew in joy, the more the pressure came, the joyful, the more joyful you got. And the more the pressure came, the stronger you got. Listen, he says, because of that, therefore, look what he says, do not throw away your confidence. Say, so what, what's confidence? Well, they had a confidence that Jesus was better. They had confidence that Jesus was the only one that could forgive them their sins. They had confidence that Jesus alone could put their broken life back together. They had confidence that Jesus was worth it. They had confidence. That's why they made the decision. They made the decision because they believed it and they were confident in it. And he says, listen, that confidence you had at the beginning, don't throw that away. Don't lose that. The old King James Version says, cast not away your confidence. I love that. Like, don't take that confidence you had and, and cast it away. Don't throw it away. The reason he says that, listen, is because it seems possible for someone to make some maybe profession of faith, to have a moment where they say a prayer or maybe even get baptized, but you follow them throughout their life and it seems that that confidence they had at the beginning, they no longer have. You ever met anybody like that? Maybe that could be you. And that may be your story. You made a decision when you were young, but man, there's no real life with Jesus. There's nothing authentic. You're not experiencing a daily walk with Jesus. There's nothing real. And it could have been that although you had a moment in which you made some decision, you didn't really give your life to Christ. And you know that because you don't have the life of Jesus in you. And so it seems to be he knows that it's possible for them to have this kind of confidence and then, and then throw it away. So he says, do not throw away your confidence. 
Remember the parable of the soils, the seeds? where the sower goes out and he throws all this seed and it's, it's a reference to the preaching of the gospel and that seed is the gospel and it falls on different soils. It says one of the soils is the rocky soil. Listen to what it says. It says that's people who hear the gospel. They receive it with joy, but then what happens? Troubles and persecutions come. So troubles and persecutions, just like it did with them. So they heard and received it with joy and troubles and persecutions came, but they endured. Some people, when troubles and persecutions come, they don't make it to the end. It reveals that they weren't authentic. It says there's also those thorns, the thorny ground. They also hear, but listen, the worries of life and the deceitfulness of riches choke it out. They hear the word. What happens? Well, they get worried with life. Life gets busy and all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're not walking with Jesus and they're not going to church and there's no real life of Jesus. And and all of a sudden, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire that kind of pulls you away, that makes you leave Jesus, this happens. And it tells us here that there are some people who hear and maybe even have joy at the beginning, but they don't hold on that confidence. And what he says is this. He says, I don't want that to be you. I want your relationship with Jesus to be authentic. I want you to keep your confidence. Don't throw it away. Keep walking with Jesus because I want you to receive the reward. Look at what he says. He says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Well, instead of that, verse 36, have endurance. For you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now, now look up, if you, if you mark in your Bibles, look at verse 32. It says, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. You see that? And then he says it again. He says, for you have need of endurance. So he says, look back and remember that when that pressure came, you withstood it. You withstood the, stood the hardship. You, you had that inward fortitude by the grace of God to keep going even under pressure. He says, remember when you gave your life to Christ, you endured. And he says, you need to keep enduring. One of the ways you kind of find a theme of a passage of scripture is you see a repeated word like this in these two different sections. And what he's saying is you had endurance, keep having endurance. Keep going, keep moving in the right direction. I know it's getting hard. I know maybe some of that excitement of that first moment of getting baptized and everybody being excited. I know maybe that wears out, but he says, keep enduring, keep going, keep doing what you've been doing. And he says this, for when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now listen, I wanna tell you something. One of the reasons they gave their life to Jesus initially is because they believed that God rewarded those who came to Jesus and they wanted the reward. That's not a bad thing. Matter of fact, Hebrews 11, six says, saving faith believes that there's a reward and goes after it. So it's a good motivation to give your life to Jesus. Why? Because you want the reward. Because by believing that, what you're saying is, I believe his reward is better. That's a good thing. That exalts Jesus Christ as the giver of better rewards. And he says this, your continued motivation of walking with Jesus is because you believe there's a better reward. One of my primary motivations to say no to sin is because I believe there's something better than that. And every time I say no to that and I choose Jesus, I get the reward. And the whole reason that we endure until the end is because we believe believe at the end of this short, fleeting life is a reward for those who seek the Lord. And that's a good thing. That's a good motivation to believe in that reward. 
And then look at what he does in verse 37. You see how those words are indented there in the text? That means he's quoting an Old Testament phrase and he's quoting Habakkuk 2. I know I didn't need to tell you that. I know you all know that was in Habakkuk 2, as I did when I read this text. Had to find that. Here's what he says. He says, yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. So do you see what he said? He said, keep enduring, keep enduring. He knows they're gonna say, I know, but it's, it's so hard and the journey's so long. And he says, actually, it's not. Jesus is coming back and it's gonna be sooner than you think. He's not gonna delay. And I know the days seem long, but I promise you, this is gonna go quick. Jesus is going to return. And then he says this, and my righteous one shall live by faith. They don't shrink back. If they shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So what he's saying is that confidence you had is that confidence you need to keep living with. What is it that keeps me enduring day by day? That same confidence I had at the very beginning. They walk by faith. They don't just make a decision of faith here. They continue to walk by faith. Now I need you to listen here. If you're with me, say amen. This is gonna help you. Listen to me. This is gonna bring clarity to some confusion for some of you. And this is gonna really help you as you think about how to walk with Jesus day by day, all right? So here's what he says. He says, look back at the way you got saved. And the reason he has them look back because in looking back to that, they get clarity on how to move forward. And here's the answer to how you continue in the Christian life. The way you began the Christian life is the exact same way you continue the Christian life. Did you hear that? The way you began the Christian life is the same way you continue the Christian life. This is exactly what he's saying. That's why he's saying keep moving, keep enduring, keep doing the same thing you were doing before. What he's saying is this. How it worked in the beginning is this. The spirit of God worked, you heard the word, you believed it by faith, you just chose to believe it, and then you followed the Lord. And you know what? That's the way it works every single day of the Christian life. You hear the word of God. The spirit of God is speaking. You believe it and you walk in it. And if you wanna know what it's like to experience real life in Jesus, I'm talking the exciting moment by moment life with Jesus. It's continuing to do that every day. Hear the word of God, believe it and walk in it. That's the Christian life. That's exactly the way that it works. There are no secrets to that. I, I'm so tired of, of hearing 38 ways to follow it. No, this is it. The way you started is the way you continue. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more exciting than that journey of knowing that the only way I know what to do next is if I hear from God today. So that's not what we want. We want the old covenant which says, do this, do this, do this, do this. We want that. We, as much as we feel like we hate it, we kind of like the system and the rules. And what God is saying is this, the gospel is about you trusting me enough to follow me every day. And the reason some of you are not experiencing any real life with God is because it's been a long time since you've heard the word of God or you've read the word of God. He said, listen, this is how this works. Like you're gonna get up in the morning. You're gonna, you're gonna read the word. And then what's gonna, God's gonna speak to you and you're gonna get a word and you're gonna walk in faith. And, and it may be day by day, not every day he gives you something, but he's gonna give you something. And your only responsibility is just to do what's next. That's why we say walking with Jesus. So our mission here at Prince is leading people to trust and follow Jesus. What we mean by that is this. 
We want you to make an initial decision to trust and follow Jesus, be baptized. And then every day of your life, we want you to keep making the same decision. It's just amazing to me how much I say that and how in the last few weeks, the Lord has taught me this in a new and fresh way. I'm just telling you, this is really real to me right now. And I wanna just tell you a little bit about how God has done this in my own life, teaching me how to live this way. Uh, I think it's important for you to know I'm, I'm also just a guy who's learning how to walk with Jesus Christ. And um, it's just amazing recently how the Lord's done this. So let me, let me just tell you a little bit of story. Uh, we always go on vacation the end of May, right when school gets out. And uh, I have this little routine. I get up early, I sit on the balcony, watch the sun come up and uh, read my Bible. And I was just, I usually just go through whatever reading plan I'm in. So I'm excited about May. I just, I need the Lord. I feel like I'm, just dry and I need the Lord. So I open up my Bible reading is first Kings. And I thought, come on. You know. I mean, I just be honest, right? I was like home for Ephesians or something. Like it was just my house. First Kings that I, it's, it's long. And then there's second Kings after it. And I was going to, my whole vacation, I was going to be in first and second Kings. And so I was a little bit frustrated and um, I just start reading and, and I start reading about Elijah and about how God used Elijah. And then I remember what James 5 says, that Elijah was just a man like us, but he prayed and God did all this incredible stuff. And I, wrote, I went back on Thursday morning, read all of my journals from that day. I just kind of write down what God's teaching me. And it was at that moment, sitting on that balcony, which I felt like the Lord making clear that everything we wanna see happen at Prince and every problem we might have at Prince, every stronghold that might be here, every bit of religious spirit, every bit of pride, everything we wanted to see happen and everything that needed to be overcome was all gonna be happened through prayer. And more specifically, that we needed to humble ourselves before God because we gotta get over formality and we have to get over playing church. And let me just say, it's really hard to just play church when you're doing this. And right then, I wrote down and felt like the Lord was telling me that what we needed to do was get on our knees every Sunday morning and pray. He said, how did you know that was the Lord? Well, it wasn't the devil. <laughs> and I don't think it was my flesh. Like, oh, this would be all, everybody's gonna love this. Like, that's how I know. And let me just tell you something. For two and a half months, I fought it and didn't do it. Two and a half months. I don't know why. I actually, I told Doug Nix one day, I said, I don't know why I'm battling this so much. I'm just battling. Like, I didn't want to do it. I felt like it was going to be awkward. I felt like people were going to like, like, I had so much like fear of man, which is not usually my biggest struggle, but like it was heavy. Two and a half months, I didn't do anything about it. In the middle of August, I really just believed I was going to be grieving the spirit if we didn't step into this. And so we just started getting on our knees every Sunday morning. And listen, I am confident part of the reason we're in this moment is because of that. And so then, Two weeks ago, and I told you a little bit of this, two weeks ago, uh, I get up on a Tuesday morning, I read the next text, it's Hebrews 10, and I feel like the Lord's saying that I can't preach this text faithfully unless I call people to respond immediately. So I just decide right then, got the staff in Tuesday morning, we're gonna have baptism this Sunday. Didn't know anybody was gonna get baptized, just we're gonna do it. I'm gonna stand there and I'm gonna wait, put it all on the line. And we saw all those people baptized in the last two weeks, 61 baptized. But then the craziest thing happened. This, this week, I woke up Monday morning just really feeling a lot of pressure to keep this thing going. I'm just telling you in my flesh, what's going on in my head. Like, God, this has been amazing. And, and we got to, you know, I don't want to need a bummer for the next Sunday. Like, what do we do here? And I'm battling this. Like, it's, there's not a lot of joy and I'm frustrated. And, and, and I come to the text this morning 
And, and what I realize is this, is the same way we got into this moment is the same way we continue in this moment. You know what that is? To trust and follow Jesus. Like, I feel like the Lord just said, Josh, you didn't start this by your leadership. <laughs> so you're not gonna continue this by your leadership. I started this because I was leading and I'm gonna continue it because I'm leading. Humbling, but it's true. Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just taking the next step by faith and the Lord made it very clear, Josh, just keep taking the next step. Like what I show you to do, just do it. And next time, don't wrestle with it for two and a half months. Just do it the next time. And, and what I'm realizing is, and this is amazing, like just in my own life, I'm realizing the joy of living this kind of life with Jesus Christ. That's a great way to live. And I don't always live that way, but I've been living that way over the last few months. And what an amazing thing to say, Lord, I'm ready. Whatever is next, I'm gonna go. And I'm gonna wait. I'm just gonna keep persevering, but I'm gonna get in the word and I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna be still before you. I'm gonna wait for what you to tell me to do. And I'm just gonna do the next thing. And I have no idea what God's doing in our church. I don't know what's going on next week or anything, but all I know is when I need to know the next step, the Lord's gonna give it to me. And I just hope by God's grace, I walk in it. That's what it means to follow Jesus every day. You get in his word. You trust the spirit of God to speak. You hear what he has to say and you walk in it. I keep thinking about that verse from Amazing Grace, which says this, through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. T'was grace that brought us safe thus far and grace will lead us home. In other words, the way we started is the way we finish. Grace started it and grace finishes it. Ryan came to me a couple of weeks ago and he had a new song that he wanted to sing. And uh, we've been kind of waiting because it didn't feel right for the moment, but it's right for this moment. I want you to listen to these words. It says, don't drop a single anchor. We're almost home. Through every toil and danger, we're almost home. How many pilgrim saints have before us gone? No stopping now, we're almost home. That promised land is calling and we're almost home. And not a tear shall fall when we're almost home. Make ready now your soul for that kingdom come. No turning back, we're almost home. This journey ours together, we're almost home. Until that great forever, we're almost home. What song anew we'll sing around that happy throne. Come faint of heart, we're almost home. This life is just a vapor, we're almost home. The sun is setting yonder, we're almost home. So take courage, for this darkness shall break to dawn. Oh, lift your eyes, we're almost home. And that's exactly the point of that last verse, look at it. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Listen, there are some who shrink back. Listen, but that's not gonna be us. We're not gonna shrink back. We're gonna hold on, we're gonna endure, we're gonna walk with Jesus day by day, moment by moment. We're gonna walk that life with Jesus every single day. Listen, church, we're gonna make it. We're gonna be faithful by the grace of, grace of God. We are not going to shrink back. We are not gonna be those stories. So you know what we do now? If we believe what we preach, we take the next step. What is it for you? Like, what's the next step? Some of you need to surrender your life to Jesus right now for the very first time. You've been fighting, you've been battling. I said the girl we baptized has been battling for three weeks and today was finally the day. Listen, for some of you, it's today. 
you surrender your life to Jesus. And you know what you do? You take the next step. You know what the next step is? You get baptized and we'll do it this morning. We got shorts, shirt, towels, everything. You just come, we do it and everybody will rejoice. For some of you, that's the next step. And so in a minute, I'm gonna get done. I'm gonna stand right here and you can come immediately and we'll walk up there together. We have others getting baptized. So for some of you, that's the next step and you do it now. Some of you, you have made that decision, but you have not been walking faithfully with the Lord. And I wanna encourage you something good about just getting on your knees before the Lord and say, Lord, here's a fresh surrender to you. Lord, I, I wanna live that life. I wanna know you and walk with you. I want it to be real. Whatever the next step is for you, listen, let's do it today, amen? Let's do it today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.